This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books. I am one of your hosts, Austin, otherwise known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And we are here to talk about Aragon, the chapter T for two. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that one of the great ways to support us is to leave us a review either on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us a review, a five-star review with words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. It's a great way to support us. It's a great way to let other people know, hey, you really enjoy this podcast and it's a great time there. Uh, Another thing you can do is join our Discord server, The Cups Podcasting and more. That's where all of The Cups Podcasts are news hits there first all the time. If you want to learn about the Assassin's Creed lore cast or the Dragon Age lore cast, go to that Discord server because that's where you will get the news first. All right. So this week we are talking about the chapter T for two. Last week we talked about Awakening, which saw us meeting the recently hatched Sephira and everything around there. And so T for Two takes place, Roran and Aragon are going to Carvajal, and Aragon seizes this opportunity to go to the only person he knows that knows about dragons, and that is Braum. And so he goes to Braum, and they have a lot of conversations. We learn a lot of information, stuff about Aragon's namesake, and just lots of information about dragons, about the elves, about the dwarfs. We also see a lot of Aragon and his questioning nature and how that reacts to that. And we get a little bit of Brahms' character development. And yeah, so Shelby, what did you think about this chapter? So I had a lot of thoughts about this chapter. This is, um, I really enjoyed this chapter, like a lot. Brahm is a really interesting character. um, And I don't remember if I've said this on the podcast yet, but I do think... I'm claiming this now. I think there are a lot of possibilities of who Aragon's father could be, but I do think we've either already met Aragon's father or we have heard of Aragon's father. So some of the people that I'm looking at potentially being Aragon's dad include Galbatorix, Horst, Brom, and I think there is one other, but now I forgot. Um, oh, uh, Sloan? I can't remember. Anyway, um, so those are some people that I've, I'm thinking of could potentially be Aragon's father, but that's not the main subject of this chapter. That's just something I'm thinking about. Like, every time a man is nice to Aragon, I'm like, is this dad? Anyway, so 
there are a lot of things that happen in this chapter, and I had a lot of first impressions. Um, but I think, firstly, is Brahm is very much being set up and established as the man in town who knows things about magic. He's the one that knows things about the mystical. He's the one you go to for answers about magic, mystical things, things that are spooky. You go to Brom. Definitely. And, you know, he also carries a staff with strange carvings and he has a gold ring with a special symbol. To me, this suggests that he has at least a modicum of wealth and some privilege and immense knowledge about things yet unknown to the reader. So I think this means that he's an important character and he will continue to be an important character throughout the books. Interesting. Interesting. Why is that interesting? I'm not telling you. Okay. Well, I do also find it funny that Brom Brom is like irritated and amused by Aragon at the same time. Like he I think on page like forty seven or something, he says, Your questions never seem to end, which made me laugh out loud. Um, but something else I wanted to talk about with Brom is on page forty eight, this is what Aragon thinks about Brom. The old man was irascible at times, but he never seemed to mind taking time for Aragon. Aragon had once asked him where he came from, and Brom had laughed, saying, A village much like Carvajal, only not quite as interesting. Curiosity aroused, Aragon asked his uncle. But Garrow could only tell him that Brom had bought a house in Carvajal nearly 15 years ago and had lived there quietly ever since. I think this is important because... You know, the town very much trusts Brom. They see him as one of their own, but they don't, like, he's, he's, he may be one of their own, but he's not from Carvajal. Like, this town seems very, like, our people are our people, and we don't like newcomers, we don't like outsiders, and if you move here, and 20 years later, you're still going to be an outsider kind of thing, like a lot of small towns are. But for, for Brom... He is not seen that way. He is seen as one of them. Yeah, and I think you really see this, not in this chapter, but in the Traitor's chapter. Mm -hmm. The, I forget what, Dragon Tales. That's yeah. what it is, Dragon Tales. In the Dragon Tales chapter, after Brom tells the story of the fall of the riders, Garrow is the one who says, you're lucky to have heard this story, in that he trusts Brom to tell the truth. And that Garrow is at least familiar with Brom. And Garrow doesn't strike me as someone who would be trusting of outsiders. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. We also got a lot of lore in this chapter. We learn the name of the dragon riders. We learn that the existence of dragons and the existence of Allegasia is connected. We learn that dragons and dwarves are both indigenous to Allegasia. That's really, really significant because it suggests that humans, elves, and urgles, they all came from somewhere else, right? Right. I love that situation because... After that, Aragon has a bunch of questions, and it's one of my favorite quotes of, like, the educator. And, like, as someone who has educated teenagers, I really resonated with the, do you want your original question answered or not? <laughs> Absolutely. I also loved that, because you're right, it is so true. Um, but... You know, we learn a lot more lore, like the elves come from a place called Alalia, um, 
elves, an elf killed a dragon, which obviously leads to the war. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more information on this later. Um, and all of this kind of stuff, like there's an ancient language and we learn more about the writers too, which I, I want to talk about later. But I think one of the most significant things that happens in this chapter is the name drop, right? On page, page 49, we learn that Brahm tells Aragon about the person that he was named after. Um, and so there is... A quote here that I wanted to read as well. Um, and it says, it's about the, the elf and dragon war. It says, at the beginning, the elves fought only to defend themselves, for they were reluctant to escalate the fighting. But the dragon's ferocity eventually forced them to attack for their own survival. This lasted for five years and would have continued for much longer if an elf named Aragon hadn't found a dragon egg. It goes on to say, Aragon blinked in surprise. Ah, I see you didn't know of your namesake, said Brahm. No, the tea kettle whistled stridently. Why was I named after an elf? And this totally throws Aragon for a loop. And I assume, of course, we'll learn more about this later. But uh, this is, I think, one of the first rumblings that Aragon is uneasy he's restless in his hometown and this is one of the things that i think is going to lead him to leave mm. yeah definitely so with that do you have any predictions i'm not done with my impressions yet. oh well keep going with your impressions <laughs> then um well i just also wanted to talk about the dragon riders because we learned that um the riders were originally intended as a means of communication between the elves and dragons. We learned that on page 50. Um, and then before Galbatorix came along, riders were, were basically more powerful than any other king or queen or ruler in all of Allegasia. And that's really significant um, because we know, well, I know from listening to part of this book already that Galbatorix is the reason why the riders disappear. And there's a whole bunch of lore with that that I don't know yet, but we know some of it. Um, and then also the dwarves just disappeared. I, that stuck out to me as interesting. Um, I feel like every, every lore in about dwarves is like, they were once great and now they're not like Dragon Age, Lord of the Rings, this, it's just kind of the dwarven stereotype, but I wanted to mention that. Um, and then there are a couple other things that happened like what is the forsworn i'm sure i'll learn more about that later too um and then aragon you know is asking about about the dragon riders and um brahm basically says like no you can't communicate with dragons um or hearing the thoughts of dragons and aragon is like wait what does that mean so i think he's either lying or misinformed or hiding the truth from Aragon or something's going on there that will be important later. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is that dragons are magical. Dragons are inherently magical and that the riders, the dragon riders and their great deeds are really only possible because of the dragons. And I think that that's important. Um, Important to name because it's not because of the human or because of the dragon riders that they're important. It's not necessarily their destiny that makes them great riders. It's the bond between them. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that I really appreciate Paolini because dragons have always been intelligent creatures in fantasy, but I feel like he's pushing it to a even greater level of intelligence and even a society of mm. sorts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I there's agree. some lore in D&D about that, but most of the times when you encounter a dragon, you're not encountering them together. You're encountering them off by themselves. Individually. Yeah, like in Dragon Age, the Iron Bull talks about how dragons are a mighty and fierce but inherently chaotic and individualistic and powerful being. Like, they don't create civilizations. They don't communicate with each other. They don't um, work together. They're not a communal society. Like, there are animals that are communal in nature. Dragons are not that way. But Palini is not setting it up to be that way. He's setting it up a little bit differently. Right. It's very much dragons are a society. And I appreciate that. It's different. It's refreshing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, any predictions? Um, this is hard for me. I'm going to start writing down my predictions. But I do I do think people are going to find out about Aragorn's dragon fairly soon, I feel. Uh, and it's not going to end well. Especially, like, why is he just around asking questions about dragons? Like, do you really think people aren't going to find out? Do you really think people aren't going to be like, why is Aragon asking questions about dragons? That's fair. Unless you think, does Brom seem like the kind of person who's going to just go blab into town? I mean, I guess that's fair, but also, like... Is he asking questions of other people? We already know he's asking, been asking questions about when he thought it was a stone to everybody. Right. So. Well, Aragon's questions never end, so. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think you bring up a lot of good points. And I think this is a, a real refreshing way to do a lore dump. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, I never got, when I was reading, I never got bored with the lore I was reading. Which, I love Tolkien, but the man can write a long lore dump. Yeah, and I do like that it's it's told in the context of a story, but not only a story, but a story that's being interrupted. I think that helps break up that kind of the lore dumping thing that you're talking about. So that it's it's more of like a, okay, here's a teenager who's annoying, who's interrupting me, and I can't tell my story because he's asking me too many questions kind of thing. Instead I of relate just to a, that. Yeah, I know you do, because you do that. I'm sure Child Austin also was like, it's me on the page. Probably. <laughs> Anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at InheritancePage or email us at InheritancePage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups Podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart.